discuss the Patriots' messy backfield and quarterbacks who could jump up a tier or two on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here on The Athletic. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by my co-host for Fantasy Football in 15, Derek Van Riper. DVR, we got a little bit of news to talk about today and then we're going to use that to jump into some running back talk, some quarterback tears from Mike Sando, our colleague here. How you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to talking about some more news. It's that time of year with training camps beginning. It is indeed that time of year, as we said on Tuesday's show. Players start showing up for training camp yesterday. They're not going to be practicing just yet, but they are arriving at their team sites. And one player who arrived at his team site on time, Dalvin Cook, showing up in Minnesota, still wants that long-term deal, still wants to be paid like the top-tier running back that he is. But the fact that he showed up on day one of training camp amidst everything that is happening in the world uh, pretty much effectively tells you what sort of holdout or non-holdout is going to be the case here. Hard to see Dalvin Cook holding out at this point. So he was on time to Minnesota Vikings training camp. Good news, certainly, for the Vikings. Good news for people who have already invested in Dalvin Cook in early drafts. Really quick DVR, I've got Dalvin Cook as my number four running back, my number four overall player in standard uh, leagues. By standard, I mean one quarterback, not super flex leagues, uh, assuming half PPR. He's my number four behind the big three of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. Where are you taking Dalvin Cook? Yeah, not much later than that. I, I think the ADP sits at six. I think I'd probably take Michael Thomas over him in a full PPR league and a half. I'd really wrestle with that decision quite a bit. I think Elvin Kamara's ahead of Cook for me in all formats. So that's that's the one one area where I definitely agree with the market, but I think Cook belongs in that group for sure. Like once the big three are gone, you can absolutely justify him with that fourth pick. All right. Well, I smell uh, Alvin Cook, Delvin Cook, uh, Alvin Cook, Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Delvin Cook debate coming our way uh, in the not too distant future. Some more news, some more fantasy relevant news uh, coming, and that is that Joe Burrow has signed his contract four years, thirty six point one million dollars. Again, there was no issue, no worry of a holdout here, but certainly good news that Burrow is signed and ready to go for the Bengals whenever they are able to get their padded practices up and running. We are also getting our wave of opt-outs that we are going to see in the NFL. Uh, Players have until August 3rd to opt out. These are final too. You have to opt out by August 3rd or you can't do it anymore. I mean, I guess you could do it, but you're not going to get the protections that the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to if you don't opt out before August 3rd. And you can't change your mind. You can't say, today I'm opting out. And then on August 10th say, no, 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 I want to play. Once you make your decision, you have made your decision. So no fantasy relevant names just yet. Some big names in the football world, Eddie Goldman from the Bears, Dante Hightower, and Patrick Chung among six Patriots who have already opted out. Marquise Goodwin is about to be uh, in his first year with the Philadelphia Eagles. He has chosen to opt out, to opt out excuse me, Star Latulale, Chance Warmack, Brandon Pierce, all choosing to sit out the 2020 season. One big non-opt-out is James Conner from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, Conner is a cancer survivor, uh, was someone who certainly uh, fit the high-risk definition uh, from the league, but James Conner will be playing in 2020. We certainly wish him the best. Would be incredible to see him have another big season as the Steelers workhorse. One other player who did opt out is Brandon Bolden in New England. And Brandon Bolden is not someone who we were going to be talking about in the fantasy world, but 
this Patriots run, this Patriots backfield is very hard to figure out this season. That has been the case for a lot of Patriots backfields over the years, but I feel like this one is more convoluted than ever. So let's talk about these Patriots backs, Derek. We've got James White, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, and Rex Burkhead as the key players in the running back room right now. I look at that quartet and I don't see anyone who I want on my fantasy team. And I'm talking about even at a discount. James White is the number one guy in terms of ADP, 81.88 overall, the RB33 in NFFC draft since July 1st. And I don't want any piece of him, not only at 81.88 overall, but at 101.88 overall. I just can't see investing in this backfield. To me, it feels low value and a lot of variance and volatility. And for that reason, I think even at discount, I'm staying away from all four of these guys. Where are you on this Patriots backfield? I think if he fell, James White might end up on some teams of mine. Even in half PPR leagues, last season, 11 fantasy points per game. He was up at a career best, 14.6 in that format in 2018. And you think about the group of pass catchers as a whole, it's not a group that's completely turned over where you see a lot of targets being funneled to the wide receivers and tight ends that weren't going that direction last year. I start thinking about Cam Newton, my pick to at least win the job in New England, the short and intermediate passing game is going to be key just to move the sticks, just to have that consistency because they don't have great downfield threats. So I think James White can kind of reprise his typical heavy pass catching role, but at the ADP he's going at right now, I mean, no, <laughs> that's right around <laughs> pick 80. I, I don't see enough there to justify that because as much as I like James White, so much of what he brings as a fantasy player is a high floor. It's not yes. really much of a ceiling. And maybe in best ball, if he slides a little bit, he fits that format a little better because he does have those occasional games where he just goes off like a lot of players do. But his usage is so unique being such a pass catching back that I don't think I want him very often in like a traditional format. Uh, certainly a, like a non-PPR league, I think he's almost untouchable. Mm-hmm. I think full PPR with a discount and best ball are the primary places where I'm interested. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said that he's a high floor player and not much of a ceiling guy. And I just don't think you win with guys like that. We can look back at his 2019 numbers. You mentioned what his points per game numbers were. And sure, those look fine on paper uh, when you're not making the decision to play him week to week. He had one big game last year. That came in week 13 against the Texans where he had eight catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Also had 14 carries for 79 yards in that game. That, of course, is an anomaly. Ended that game with 33.7 half PPR points. Other than that, you've got one game up at 15, a handful of games in the 10 to 11 range, and then about half the season in single digits. And that's really what you're going to get with James White. And I just don't think that even at RB33, that that's really very much of a winning player. You look at the rest of the running backs, Sony Michelle, RB41 in ADP, 101.94. Damian Harris, 171.23, the RB57. Rex Burkhead in all but the deepest leagues, basically going undrafted. And RB74 ADP at 272.22. I do think that maybe Damian Harris is a little bit interesting, but that's only in the fact that I just can't see taking Sony Michelle. And so we know someone is going to have that heavy run responsibility in New England. And I think that with where you're seeing them go off the board against Sonny Michelle just after pick 100, Damian Harris down at pick 170, I would much rather gamble on something good going for Damian Harris and him paying off in that way than uh, Sonny Michelle basically uh, maxing out what his value could be at the ADP of 
Yeah, I think the variable here, too, is the health of Sonny Michel. If he's going to be unavailable when the season begins with that foot injury, it's probably going to cost them some time in training camp uh, as it is. Like That would open the door for Damian Harris. At the price, I could see Harris being a late-round flyer, and he's the kind of guy that you're cutting maybe even before week one if things don't fall into place. So it could be a mess all year. It could be a combination of two or three backs. It could be a revolving door. Uh, and the concern with Sony Michel, beyond the foot injury, last season only 3.7 yards per carry. You know, we haven't really seen him on the field in passing situations very often either. That was the case during his time at Georgia. And with the personnel the Patriots have, especially with a guy like James White, I just don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, New England, again, I think going to be among the teams with some of the worst skill player production this season. Let's move on to a very popular column that we have up and active at The Athletic right now. If you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash football and 15. And one of the many great things you can read if you do get that subscription is Mike Sandoz quarterback tiers. Mike does this every single year. It's always a fun read. He surveys executives and coordinators across the league, coaches, and uh, ends up placing all the starting quarterbacks plus a handful of others, some you know big name backups like Marcus Mariota, whoever ends up being the backup in Chicago between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Backups along those lines into four different quarterback tiers. And we are going to take a look here, Derek, at the t- quarterbacks in tier three and tier four and wonder who can maybe climb up a tier. Now, when Mike does this for the column, we're really looking at it more from a real-life perspective. That's why you're still going to see some guys who we don't necessarily consider fantasy uh, QB1 or QB2 tier type guys up in those tiers. Aaron Rodgers, for example, is ranked third in these QB tiers, which I think is something he absolutely deserves from a real-life perspective, but maybe not the way we think of him in the fantasy world. So we're sort of meshing real-life and fantasy a little bit here. We're going to take a look at QB3 tier, QB4 tier, and say, hey, who can be in that QB2 or QB1 tier next season? The first guy in the QB3 tier is Kyler Murray. We're going to write him off because he's basically already a QB1 or a QB2 tier guy in the fantasy world uh, right now this season. But when you look at the rest of the tier three and the tier four is there anyone who jumps out at you from a fantasy perspective who you think is going to make a leap this season there's two that stand out one in each tier and I guess the bigger leap would be Drew Locke the other guy is Daniel Jones and I think Locke's probably a little bit more interesting to me because I think he has the better overall group of weapons I mean having Saquon Barkley to rely on and having good pass catchers in New York certainly gives Daniel Jones a chance to make that leap in year two. But Drew Locke is one of these guys that I think he's got star upside. And I I didn't really believe that when he was drafted, but I think they did such a good job loading up the backfield, loading up the group of pass catchers. I mean, Noah Fant, I think, is the people's sleeper at tight end, as I've described him before. Everybody loves Noah Fant. They bring in Jerry Judy. They already had Cortland Sutton. They also drafted K.J. Hamler. Uh, the backs with Gordon and Lindsey, like, that's going to be a consistent part of the offense. I just think he's set up to succeed. Like Even if he's on a similar plane talent-wise as Daniel Jones, it's easier to see how it all goes right for Drew Locke in 2020. So I think between the two, I would give the edge to Locke to be the guy that makes the bigger leap in Mike's rankings and maybe makes fantasy owners happier relatively speaking because the price difference on these guys is it's not insignificant at this point 
Yeah, Drew Locke is already one of the most popular guys for late quarterback drafters to be going after. He's the QB 21 by ADP at 159.77. And you look at all those weapons that Denver has put around him. You look at all the investments they've made around him. Clearly, they are setting this offense up to take a huge leap this season. But it all depends on Drew Locke and Definitely looking like a guy who could pay off in the fantasy world. I think you're going to see a lot of people excited about him. Probably not a lot of people down on Drew Luck, right? One of, or Drew Luck. One of those guys who it's easy to get excited about, and you're maybe not going to find everyone who wants to target him, but you're not going to find a lot of people actively fading Drew Luck from a fantasy standpoint this season. And one person who we know loves him is our own Emery Hunt. Wrote, wrote him up as one of his three late-round guys to be targeting this season. Uh, in Tier 3, I look at Baker Mayfield. I think that everything went wrong for the Browns last season. I think it all started with Freddie Kitchens. They got rid of him. They brought in Kevin Stefanski as their new head coach. Uh, they brought in uh, some reinforcements on the offensive line that is going to go a long way toward keeping Baker upright and as a shorter quarterback, keeping some of those vision lanes and throwing lanes open for him that you know maybe guys at 6'4 can see over, but Baker down at you know 5'11, maybe 6 feet, uh, when he's on his cleats, uh, doesn't always have that luxury. So I think that's going to be huge for him. And I just still love the assembly of talent that they have in Cleveland with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be put in a position where he can really thrive last year. Everything we liked about this Cleveland team is still in place uh, this season, and some of the things that we didn't know we shouldn't have liked a year ago have been removed. So I think that Baker Mayfield is definitely in a place to succeed this season. Other guys who we have in uh, Tier 3, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Josh Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and then as you mentioned, Daniel Jones. Of that group of guys, if I'm going to take anyone higher than what his ADP is, I think it's Teddy Bridgewater. I do think that there's a little bit of concern with all the changes in Carolina in this offseason of all other offseasons. You've got Matt Rule, the new coach. Of course, Teddy is joining a new team. A lot of turnover, but a lot to like with that team also. Of course, we know about Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I think Ian Thomas can break out now with Greg Olson out of his way. Uh, you like the second and third receiving options there too in Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. And it could be a team that has to play from behind a lot. So I think Teddy Bridgewater of that group is the guy who I would be most willing to reach for. Not saying I necessarily like him better than you know Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff, but I'm more likely to reach over ADP for Teddy Bridgewater than I am for guys like that. Really quick, anyone who fits that bill for you, be it Tier 3 or Tier 4. Gardner Minshew, I think, is the other one. Mostly the situation. He's going to have to throw a lot. I like the the group of weapons there. It just could be like pinball in Jacksonville. It's weird because <laughs> their defense a couple of years ago was one of the best defenses in the league, but I think his setup is actually really good this year. So he's one of those late quarterbacks that I might jump up above the other guys who go around him. Can't win with defense forever in the NFL. If we've learned anything from the league in recent vintage, it certainly is that. Look at those Jaguars. Look at the 2018 uh, to 2019 Bears. Could the 49ers fall into that trap? Not sure that they're the same team, but again, that is a different podcast, and that is going to do it for this episode of this podcast, Fantasy Football in 15. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod for those of you out there on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else. Again, 40% off. A one-year subscription to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller, Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.